We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to RivalFantasy.com or get the Rival Fantasy app. It is the morning of Saturday, April 22nd. I am Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. On this episode, we're going to be perusing the offensive category leaderboard standard 5 by 5 fantasy scoring. And we'll try to identify some players on there who we think are for real who can sustain their current level of production or come close to sustaining it. And then also some players from atop those leaderboards who we would fade, who we think are in for regression or a loss in playing time, etc. First, let's jump right into some of the bigger headlines from the late weekday games and the early part of the weekend. Man, this Bryce Harper story, I said with Chris last week, like he's totally going to return well before – anyone expects uh, from Tommy John surgery. And that's kind of the storyline now from the Phillies. Yeah. I mean, I guess knowing him, we shouldn't be too surprised. Kind of a guy who's renowned for his work ethic and commitment to his craft. But I mean, this is less than six months removed from Tommy John. Like I realized the position player, Rehab length is way different than pitchers, but yeah, I mean, when we got our first hint, I guess, when they didn't immediately put him on the 60-day IL, like people assumed they were going to, but even the beat writers then were like, yeah, they're going to keep their options open, but he's probably going to eventually go on the 60-day IL, but going to see the doctor when the when the Phillies are in Los Angeles at the very beginning of May, and if he gets clearance from the doctor that performed his Tommy John surgery, sounds like he's going to DH pretty much immediately after that. He's going to skip a rehab assignment. This is predicated on him gain, gaining clearance from the doctor, and as fast as this recovery has been, I guess that's not a guarantee, but the Phillies sure seem like it, they expect it to happen. Um, he's been working out at first base kind of, I guess with the thought that that's going to put a lot, a lot less pressure on your, on your elbow, um, than right field would, but he's going to DH for a while either way. Yeah. uh, Multiple months, I would guess, um, maybe second half, he starts playing the field some, um, yeah, he, he has to gain clearance for like full contact slides and uh because apparently yeah 
it's that that, that kind of is worrisome. I don't I don't know what the the Matt Gelb of the Athletic is the guy who kind of broke the story about the early May timetable and like just a certain amount after surgery, it's kind of in danger of rupturing. I don't, I don't know what kind of window or we're looking at there, but I don't know. Um, obviously if he gains a clearance from the doctor that, I mean, they're not going to take any, any chances. I don't know. I mean, are you, are we going to see regular Bryce Harper? Like immediately? I, I, I wouldn't bet against it, but you know, no spring training, no, uh, no rehab assignment. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's pretty fascinating. I mean, this is unprecedented, this quick of a return from Tommy John surgery. It is, of course, different with position players. And, like, he can't um, re-injure it when he's hitting. We've seen other position players right. return, and they're fine hitting. Um, but the worry is, like, he was practicing different ways to slide. The worry is that he could rupture it again on a slide or like some kind of contact play with an infielder while he's running the bases. I think we can put the first base idea to rest maybe at the end of the year or something, but I don't think that's going to be an immediate. And he also throws right-handed. So the right elbow would be exposed to the plate. Uh, I mean, that would be a worry I would think, but I don't know. If he gets clearance from the doctor, I guess that we shouldn't, if the doctor's not worried about it, we shouldn't put, try to play a Twitter doctor like a lot of people do. Yeah. And do, if, if the Phillies were off to a better start and hadn't lost Reese Hoskins and Derek Hall, do you think this would be happening? That's part of the, my worry too. Like, are they rushing him yeah. back? Cause they feel like they suddenly need him. Um, yeah. But again, I, I don't think he can, he can do any damage to it at the plate unless of course, yeah, he gets hit by a, a ball in a real bad spot. Um, but I mean, I'm sure he's going to be, just don't let him slide at all. Like literally at all. Yep. Like, I don't know, like let him hit. He, he's, he's got full clearance for hitting already. That's not a worry anymore. Um, like I mentioned, maybe there's some risk about him getting hit by a pitch in the elbow, but yeah, there's obviously there's some risk involved, but you know, and he could be rusty, but you're not going to be sitting. If you were fortunate enough to draft Bryce Harper with, what looks like is going to be an extreme discount at this point, then he's not going to be on your bench. So just be, uh, just be thankful. Yeah. He worked out with the pitch clock for the first time, like taking yeah. practice well, on Wednesday or Thursday. And yeah, to get that, that timing, the feel for that kind of timing. And I guess he hit a, a batting practice home run that like almost glanced right off where the pitch clock is, which is way up there <laughs> at citizens bank park, like right center field, like where their big video screen is. So yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me if he comes back in two weeks and hits 40 home runs, like over what remains of the regular yeah. season. I, I, I don't see any reason to like, think that he's going to lose production as a hitter. There's no real evidence to say that, coming off Tommy John surgery that a position player is like bad for a while. It would be nice to see him go on a rehab assignment, honestly, just to like, see what that looks like, see what he looks like against live competition before they throw him right back in. But like you said, you either have Harper on your IL 
IL on your roster right now or you don't. It's not like a situation mm-hmm. where you're evaluating do I pick someone up? Is is this a trade thing? You're why would you trade him right now? Yeah. Um, I, 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 sh- I mean I should I, mention I, that yeah. he, he is DH only eligible and mm-hmm. we don't expect him to to gain eligibility in the outfield or at first base for for a while. So that's a little bit of a deterrent, but you know, if yeah, you want to so maybe if yeah, if you're in a league and you feel like your util spot is taken care of and there's some excitement building around Harper with this quick return, and maybe you do think about a trade, but yeah, I think he's gonna be Bryce Harper. Yeah. As long as he can stay healthy and doesn't re injure that surgically repaired elbow. Uh, there was ominous news out of Milwaukee on Friday with Brewers manager Craig Council telling reporters that an MRI on Garrett Mitchell's right shoulder revealed significant labrum damage and that surgery is likely. If we're talking a, a full labrum repair, it's almost certainly going to be a season-ending ordeal for Mitchell. He dislocated his shoulder in multiple spots while sliding into third base in extra innings Tuesday night at Seattle. He actually stayed in the game initially, which is sort of amazing in retrospect and that plays into how surprised Mitchell was to hear the diagnosis. He also talked to the media on Friday. Uh, He's going to get a second opinion before deciding on surgery, but it seems like it's pretty much decided for him. Uh, Tough break all around. Mitchell won the starting center field job in Brewers camp this spring was a legitimate NL rookie of the year candidate in that role. Already had three home runs and a stolen base through 16 games this season. So offering good fantasy value and, and a lot of long-term fantasy upside too, which he can get back to next year, assuming this this does become a season-ending situation. Uh, the rehab for labrum surgery is a lengthy one. Like it's often like Tommy John's surgery, maybe even longer for position players. Uh, it can take a full year. But the success rate with labrum repairs seems to be pretty good recently as far as shoulder stuff goes. Like you never know with thoracic outlet syndrome surgery with pitchers, how they're going to recover over the course of their career. But uh, Mitchell will be back. This was his age 24 season. Joey Weimer is expected to draw the majority of the starts in center field in the meantime for the Brewers. Blake Perkins, they called up. He can work in there too. He's a good defender. Uh, we might have seen Sal Frelick this weekend, but he suffered a left thumb sprain Tuesday at AAA Nashville, actually the same night that Mitchell got injured. Uh, Frelick shouldn't be out too long, maybe a couple of weeks, and then I think he probably does get the call toward like mid to late May. He's a player with really good speed and developing power. doesn't strike out, draws walks, can hit for a high average. I think Fre- Frelick's going to be a really good uh, real life major leaguer and fantasy producer. So jump on that when he comes up, if he's not already stashed somewhere and on a brighter side with the Brewers, Corbin Burns made it through a bullpen session Friday without any problems. And he's expected to take his next scheduled turn in the rotation this Sunday against the Red Sox, that the series finale of the three game weekend series between the Brewers and the Red Sox. Burns suffered a left pectoral strain Monday in, in a rundown you hear pectoral strain and an ace and you think, oh no, like several weeks, multiple months on the IL, but it's to the non-throwing side of his body. He doesn't really rely on that left side pectoral muscle group to pitch. He's done two side sessions with, with no problems. And so, yeah, a big time scare averted there. I guess Burns might have to be careful with 
fielding work. Um, but I, I don't know, chalk up another point for the universal DH. If, if hitting was a factor here for Burns, then he probably would be on the IL to at least let that pectoral strain heal a little bit. But he's going to pitch through it, and it sounds like he should be fine. Yeah, like you mentioned, um, non-throwing shoulder. I mean, he's got a pretty simple delivery. Yeah, I think does. that probably helps uh, as well. And like you mentioned, he's throwing a couple of bullpen sessions. And if he can get through through those with with no issues, I, I see no reason to to think it'll be something that'll is in danger of being a being a setback for him. Um, yeah, no universal DH certainly helps as well. Um, South Freelick, yeah. I mean, I I think he actually is. I was kind of surprised that he that Mitchell actually beat him to the majors. Like, yeah. Relic seemed seemed more ready to me. Um, I think he could actually be a better, probably not as much power potential as as Mitchell. Although Mitchell's got you know ground ball concerns, but I think Freelick probably is a more ready hitter with the hit tool. Um, also has speed like like Mitchell. Tyrone Taylor is going to be due back uh, pretty soon too, um, so he could get some starts in right field. He can play center field as well, but it sounds like uh, Joey Weimer is going to be there. Another injury, um, unfortunately, unfortunate injury news. Getting back to some Tommy John talk. Chris Bubich, the shortest. Shortest breakout season ever on record. Yeah, Drew some uh, some buzz in spring training and early on in the season because he was throwing harder and uh, I think it was was his slider that was I don't know I don't know if it was a sweeper or a much improved slider that he was working with and had a really good start against the Giants and then a whole bunch of people spent a good amount of fab on him and then he had one bad start, which is, it turns out that's the start he got hurt in. And they went from, I can't remember what the initial worry was with him, like uh neuritis, I, th- I think. And then there was a flexor strain and then, or flexor sprain. And then they changed it to the flexor strain. And then now he's having Tommy John surgery. So obviously done for the season. Um, you can flush that, those fab dollars straight down the toilet. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the Royals of Brad Keller was drawing a little bit of buzz too, um, working with a much improved curveball. You know, they have Matt Quatrero. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Over from the Rays, and I think a lot of people gotten excited that maybe he can bring some Raysness to the Royals rotation. Um, so some people were getting a, a little excited about Bubich and Brad Keller. It's, t- it's too bad Quadrero can't, uh, can't help out Brady Singer cause he's been really terrible, but yeah, Bubich done for the season, obviously probably around mid season next year when he can finally come back. But yeah, the shortest, a lot of the shortest breakout ever. <laughs> Just a lot of dashed hopes in the recent history of the Royals pitching yeah. player development. 
peaks and valleys, um, more valleys than, than peaks. Uh, Logan Ohapi, who's the Angels' bright young catcher, was placed on the injury list Friday with a left shoulder ailment that still doesn't have an exact diagnosis, unless you saw an update early Saturday morning, Ryan, but I didn't see anything before we hopped on. Um, I think he had some more testing scheduled probably throughout the weekend. It, it was a weird one. I was watching that game against the Yankees on Thursday afternoon, or I guess they traced the injury back to – Monday, but then on Thursday, he gets sort of like spun around on a pitch while hitting in the ninth inning, managed to actually make contact, uh, got a single down the line, but was just distraught when he got to first base, came out of the game with like some real emotion, like on, on the verge of tears, uh, said he felt a pop, like a, a dislocation. I don't want to speculate about labrum damage, but you know, we'll find out soon enough what the severity is with this. Hopefully it's just his shoulder popped out and they can pop it back in and maybe he gets a cortisone shot or something and everything's fine. Oh, oh has been great this year. We love any new blood that we can get at the catcher position in fantasy. And he's a big part of this current wave, uh, four homers, 13 RBIs through 16 games this season with the angels, a 283 average 886 OPS. You'll take that from the catcher position. Uh, again, waiting for more info on, on what the injury is. Maybe he can get like a two for one discount with, with Garrett Mitchell on, on the second opinion. Very hope, very much hoping this is not as serious as Mitchell's injury. And again, we just don't really know. Oh, Hoppy was the 21st catcher eligible player off the board in the average fantasy draft this spring. His ADP is a little off because he wasn't assured of the starting job in Anaheim until more toward the middle to end of spring training, but a great value pick at fantasy baseball's shallowest position. And hopefully he can return to being that this year. Hopefully it happens like in May. Um, I don't have advice on, on who to pick up. If Ohapi was your primary catcher in a fantasy league, like throw a dart at whoever's out there. I guess the good thing is that he was often drafted so late. If, if you did have him, if you do have him, maybe it was already a second catcher situation to begin with, and you're ready to go with with a backup on your roster. Yeah, uh, I, I was actually watching the it was the Patriots Day game yeah. when he originally heard it, um, it and it it looked bad. Like he he took a swing and immediately like grabbed at his shoulder, and I was positive he was going to come out but then he stayed in the game and actually singled later in the at bat it reminded me of what fernando tatis did you know he had that yeah the shoulder the ongoing don't shoulder issue that, man. <laughs> well that. i mean tatis came back and played with it for a while he eventually had surgery so it could just be one of those things that he's just going to have to manage for a bit and maybe it'll is at risk of recurring. Um, but yeah, worst case scenario, like you mentioned, it could be some, some labrum damage, but hopefully he's just dealing with like a sublection. How, how do you say that? Sub, subluxation, which subluxation. is, just, I had to, I had to look it up to, it's like a partial dislocation, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So we don't know if there's labrum damage. I mean, the shoulders are pretty simple joint, actually. It's just a ball in a socket. So, there's could be a range of things that went wrong or it could be like just pretty simple and it's only going to be a, a quick IL stint. Um, by the time people hear this, if they're listening like podcast form, mm -hmm. they might know before, what we don't know. 
Yeah, Uncle Ted talks here in the in the chat is mentioning Jonah Hyam. I, I don't know if Jonah Hyam is still available, but yeah, he's looked great in the early going. He he would be a fine fine replacement. Yeah. And we also just found out that Mitch Garver's timetable has been pushed back like a month, so Jonah Hyam's going to get even more playing time. So yeah, if that's a if he's available on your waiver wire, especially he could be in one catcher leagues. Um, that, that's a, certainly a viable pickup. Um, Vino's out there. Elias Diaz is out there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I catcher is healthier than it's been since uh-huh. you and I have probably been doing this job, which is yeah, over a decade sure. now. So there's, there's some good options. I, I would say, yeah, I mean, Heim, Heim would probably be at the top of my list there, but Diaz is off to a good start and you get a little course field effect, but I don't know. Yeah. Might be nice if you, if you have that extra roster spot to spare, um, add Diaz and just play him at home and get somebody else for on the road. But it's kind of hard sometimes to devote two, uh, two roster spots to catcher in a one catcher league. But another guy coming back, Drew, uh, Joe Musgrove is going to make his season debut tonight or this afternoon. Can't remember. I don't know what the game time is for that, but in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. Musgrove uh, broke a toe in a weight room incident. Um, it's been a delayed start to the season for him. Not great results during his rehab assignment as far as like, you know, runs allowed goes, but good strikeout to walk rate as we have grown accustomed to with him. He's always had really great control. Um, Diamondbacks are a, Looking like a pretty good offense right now. It's not the not an ideal matchup, I guess, from the first the first start back. And you know, if you've already set your lineup for the week, things were trending towards Musgrove coming back later in the week uh, for a while. But so maybe this, that decision has already been already been made whether to start him to, or bench him this week. But maybe ideally, if he's not on a up ready for a full workload you can give him one start back just kind of see what he looks like but you know i'm i just plug him right in yeah i mean you don't worry about a a toe affecting his you know his performance at all i'm a big joe musgrove fan i think the the ceiling probably not ace level but you know he's like i mentioned he's always a really good whip option because he's got such great control and gets you a, de- a decent number of strikeouts. I and mean, he's going to be have that Padres offense backing him. Um, for the the other site I write for, we did preseason predictions for division winners and World Series winners and all that. Padres were my World Series winner pick. Why not? Yeah. So I must grow from here on out. Could be a top 15-ish starting pitcher, I think, sure. certainly within the yeah. within the realm of possibility. Um, yeah, uh, pretty excited to, for him to to be to be making it back on, on Saturday. I guess Ryan Weathers is probably going to get booted from the rotation, even though he's pitched pretty well. Um, he's kind of kind of ticking up, but they could put him back in the triple-A El Paso rotation or maybe in the bullpen. He's outpitched. Nick Martinez and Michael Waka so far, but I, I, I mean, I think they're counting on those two guys to be in the rotation for now. 
Padres have been been using six starters. I don't know how long they're planning to planning to go with that. I mean, that does reduce, I guess, Musgrove's wins outlook. He gets a few less starts, but you know, I'm quite bullish on him from here on out. Yeah, they're they're gonna get pretty creative with their rotation mix, and some of those guys can like to slide into a swingman role. I mean, they've talked, they talked about that, doing that with Waka already. Um, Weathers could certainly do that as well. Like kind of working between long relief, maybe like piggyback a couple of those guys on the same day. It's not a bad strategy. Um, Jorge Polanco made his 2023 debut with the twins on Friday night against the nationals, one single and four at bats, no walks, no strikeouts. He missed the first three weeks of the season with a left knee injury that, has become an on and off issue for Polanco. Uh, it, it traced back a couple of years. He dealt with it last year, uh, dealt with it again this spring, but he's healthy now and he's been productive in fantasy when healthy. Definitely speaking of peaks and valleys, uh, Jorge Polanco definitely has that in his career line, but you look at 33 homers, 11 steals, 98 RBIs, 97 runs scored in 152 games in 2021. Maybe he doesn't get in on the rise in steals you know, around the league with that knee being a factor. Um, he's not like an electric sprint speed guy, even at full health, around the 70th percentile there on Baseball Savant. So you are relying on power, which has been inconsistent. But I don't know, at second base or like if you're playing in a league with a middle infielder spot, like beggars can't be choosers with that. You'll you'll feel all right about plugging Polanco in there in, in most leagues, at least a middle infield spot, or if not as your starting second baseman. He hit fifth on Tuesday for the Twins. He batted third and cleanup a lot last year. Good spot for RBI production in that Minnesota lineup. Um, Eduard Julien was optioned to AAA St. Paul as the corresponding roster move for Polanco's activation. Julien showed good pop during his short stay in the big leagues, two homers in eight games, I believe. Uh, got some leadoff opportunities as well, but the Twins want him playing every day, and, and that was going to be difficult to pull off with Polanco back on the active roster. I'm, I'm intrigued by Julien long term. Wasn't like very much on my radar at all, but you know, 18th round pick in 2019. But if you look at his minor league numbers, a 921 OPS and 235 career minor league games, 37 homers, 54 stolen bases, great on base numbers in the minors. Yeah, he draws a ton of walks. On he base does draw a ton of walks. Yep, yep. I think he'll be back up this year. Just kind of depends on what happens on the depth chart above him. Uh, he's played a lot of different positions too. So like a new path could open up eventually or even fairly soon. I, I want to see more I, I of think what he'll be, he brings to the table. Yeah. I, I mean, once they start playing Buxton in the outfield, um, that's going to open up stuff. I, I think that's probably when Julian returns. Uh, but yeah, he's got certainly an interesting, interesting skill set. Um, Polanco, I think Polanco could benefit from the way the ball is playing so far this year because he's, like you, as you mentioned, not like an elite exit velocity guy, but he hits a whole bunch of fly balls and he pulls the pulls the ball a ton. So he could benefit from the ball kind of traveling more than it was last year. 
a little worried about that knee. You know, it's as you mentioned, it's been uh, kind of a nagging thing for him. And it didn't seem like in spring training, like they were planning on him getting like off to a a late start to the season, but the knee yeah, was just not early on. continued to be an issue. So mm-hmm. something to keep an eye on, but as long as he is, he is healthy. I think he's definitely a, a viable starting option, even in 12 teamers. Right, we'll get into this uh, fade or for real discussion of the, the main gist of this, of this episode. Uh, but first a quick commercial break. A new MLB season means it's time for a new kind of daily fantasy baseball. Rival Fantasy is the fantasy platform reinventing the way daily and weekly games are played, and they've brought new games to the ballpark this year that fantasy players won't find anywhere else. Rival Fantasy games include Fantasy Bingo, Head-to-Head Player Challenges, and Fantasy Book, where users can select over-unders for two to five players. With games like this, daily fantasy has never been better. Right now, RotoWire listeners can get a $50 protected first play. That means if you win your first play, you keep your winnings. But if you lose your first entry, Rival Fantasy will fully refund you up to 50 bucks. Go to play.rivalfantasy.com slash sign up and use code RotoWireMLB at sign up and a deposit of minimum of $25 to get your first entry on Rival protected up to 50 bucks. Now's the time to step up to the plate and become a rival today. Welcome to the arena. Actually, this is not in the copy, but I, I really like that some companies are trying different ways for daily fantasy to work in baseball. Because, I mean, we played, you know, the 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 main daily fantasy sites, like when it first came out, and it was fun, but you quickly come to realize that the sport of baseball is not really designed for daily fantasy as it was constructed to work in golf and, and NBA and NFL, like the more popular sports that work for daily fans because you can spend a big portion of your budget on Mike Trout and he'll go over four with two strikeouts. It happens all the time. Like if you spent a big part of your budget on Patrick Mahomes and he got you zero points or even like negative points, you'd be like something. Did he have like a catastrophic injury or something? Uh, so I, I, I love that. I, I love that rival fantasy is trying this and I can't wait to play it. Um, another one, baseball is back. Swing into the MLB season with vivid seats and score tickets to all the hottest matchups and biggest games of the year. Every crack of the bat, every deep center fly, and every heart-pounding double play of your favorite team live and in person. Plus, with vivid seats rewards, now you earn rewards with every single purchase. Each ticket you buy gets you closer to your reward. Just buy 10 tickets, then simply cash in your credit toward your 11th ticket purchase. It's that easy. A pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group, split the bill, and make progress towards your free 11th ticket even faster. From behind the plate to the upper deck, Vivid Seats has great tickets for all of the 2023 games that matter to you. Just visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. See vividseats.com slash rewards for terms and conditions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. All right. Analyzing current fantasy leaderboards. We're each going to pick one person we think is for real from around the top of that leaderboard and one person we think we would fade we'll start with batting average you want to you want to go first give me your real and your fade <laughs> sure um my real for the for batting average is alex verdugo realize i'm not going out on a huge limb here he's always been a pretty good batting average guy i think and all any any full season he hasn't hit lower than like 280 but i mean he's I think he's got legitimate like batting title potential. Eleven uh, percent strikeout rate this year, eight point eight percent walk rate. He's got a ninety four point four percent zone contact rate, which for those that aren't Statcast nerds like like myself, uh, basically it's just balls that are in the strike zone that you make contact with. And the league averages are like 82%. So 94.4 is just a just a crazy number. And, you know, Verdugo has been pretty good in that regard uh, in his career, but he's just taken it to another level this year. 22.2% um, chase rate so far this so far this uh this season. League average is 28.4%. So it just really waiting for his pitch and hitting it with authority when he does get that pitch. His actual batting average and his expected batting average via StatCast are basically just identical. So, I mean, he's earned this this hot start. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that we're ever going to get the, the power breakout from Verdugo that it looked like he might have at some point, but, you know, I think especially for av- in an average context, he's, you know, like I said, I think he's got pretty much batting title potential and you didn't have to spend that kind of draft pick on him. So really like what I'm seeing from him so far. Um, another guy off to a really good start is Brandon Marsh. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Logan Ohapi, that's kind of the rare, uh, win-win trade that went down last year. You know, I don't want to dismiss the possibility that Marsh has figured things out. Um, is a former top prospect. Working with Kevin Long, who has kind of been known as a hitting coach that gets the best out of uh, out of a lot of guys. He's got a 90.7% uh, average exit velocity, 12.12% barrel rate. 
So that's all good. Um, he also has a 30% strikeout rate. Uh, actual average 355 versus expected average via Statcast of just 238. Quite a big gap there. Uh, he's batting 313 versus lefties so far this season versus 228 in his career. So certainly expect that to to come back to earth. You know, like I mentioned, I, I think it is possible that Marsh is just taking a step forward. Uh, Phillies are, have moved him up in the lineup. He's used to. Yeah. He had Hit been batting. With Real Muto hitting sixth. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's. I think it's possible that he is taking a step forward, but I still look at that strikeout rate and his history against against lefties. lefties. And, yeah. Bad. Yeah. So, I mean, I, just as far as an average fade, he would be my he would be my pick. I agree that I mean he's young and I think just making str- real strides, but he's not like a a stud all of a sudden. Someone that they can just plug in as their number five hitter every day, even against lefties. Like there's obviously going to be a bit of a downturn with him. Uh, Nico Horner is my, for real, um, at least in the batting average department at a, at a 365 clip right now through 91 plate appearances, had a four hit game in the Cubs route of the Dodgers on Friday afternoon at Wrigley field. That was a party off Julio Urias taking the brunt of it 13 to nothing with, Horner also connecting for his first homer of the year, one of four Cubs home runs on the afternoon. Horner is also tied for the MLB lead in stolen bases with nine. We can talk about that leaderboard in a bit. Uh, His expected batting average is 352, so the data backs this all up, what he's doing so far. He has the longest streak in the majors of of plate appearances without a strikeout. I forget the exact number, but uh, he hasn't struck out in a game since last Friday, so it's been over a week now. I don't know that a big rise in power should be expected. Again, he just connected for his his first homer Friday. Um, But the bat-to-ball skills, the plate approach with Horner in the leadoff spot for what looks like a much-improved Cubs offense. ADP was 204 on Yahoo this spring. For a a dude who is eligible at both shortstop and second base who had a pretty substantial, I guess, you know, it was a it was a breakout last year. I think we can call it that. Definitely took a, a massive step forward from an offensive standpoint. I I like the whole outlook with with Horner right now. Definitely an average steals and runs scored. Um, wouldn't rely on much power. That's why he went you know beyond pick two hundred in a lot of leagues. And then my fate is Jorge Mateo, who is all over various leaderboards, batting three sixty two with a ten fifty six OPS, three homers. 12 RBIs, eight stolen bases, 13 runs scored in 16 games. He has a little hip injury right now. I think he hasn't played for a couple of days, but it's nothing too concerning. No IL stint is expected. Um, I just think you look at the track record here with Mateo. You can definitely count on good speed uh, that he'll remain a nice piece for stolen bases, but regression is going to hit pretty much everywhere else when you look at his stat line. Uh, before this season, a career 226 batting average, 271 on base percentage. I talked up Horner's bat-to-ball skills and, and plate approach. Mateo does not have those things. Again, I, I dig the speed, but I, I'm just not buying the the category-spanning breakout that he has hinted at early on this year for the Orioles. Yeah, I'm with you on Mateo as a fade. I, I will 
give him a little bit of credit. Like the, I don't hate him. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean the batted ball talented. data and the plate discipline has been legitimately better this year, but like you mentioned, fairly lengthy track record of him not being this guy. So I, you know, I would, I think you would be smart to count on him for speed and, and nothing else. Along um, the lines of Marsh, like they're, they're very different players, but he's probably yeah. making real improvements. Like he's a, a young guy with a prospect pedigree. Um, but I, I don't think he's like suddenly a 30, 40 guy. Yeah. I'll say that. Yeah. All right. Let's move into the, uh, yeah. to the runs category. I'm going to start off with a, a real, my real pick is Yandy Diaz on the, uh, seemingly unbeatable, literally unbeatable for a while. Ray's team, you know, he's always been a, a guy with good stat cast data, um, you know, exit velocity, hard hit rate, barrel rate, all in the 89th percentile or higher this season. As I mentioned, he's the, he's the leadoff guy and what is looking like one of the best lineups in baseball. Uh, 395 on base percentage this season and a 384 on base percentage since 2020. Um, you know, he's had some injury issues in the past. That's been part of the reason why he hasn't had a full on breakout. He's, he's also had launch angle issues. I mean, as hard as he's always hit the ball, he just, has kind of pounded it into the ground, but he's actually doubled his launch angle so far this season. So I think there might be a power breakout in there as well. Um, but I think especially from a, a run scored perspective, he's one of the best plate disciplines in baseball. And as I mentioned, the Rays lineup is looking fantastic you know, Diaz has never scored more than 71 runs in a season, but if he can manage to avoid the injured list, I think there's 100 run potential with him for sure. Um, not your prototypical leadoff guy in this respect that he's doesn't run that well, but you know, the Rays don't care about that. He's gets on base and that's what they want from the top guy in their lineup. So I think Yanni Diaz is for real from a run score perspective. The guy I'm picking for my fade, uh, Cody Bellinger, um, off to a good start with the with the Cubs. Just homered again yesterday. He was one of the one of those home runs that you mentioned uh, off he of Julio Urias. He looks good. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, look at the the batted ball data with him is just bad. Eighty six point eight percent or miles per hour. Excuse me, average exit velocity for Bellinger well below average 32.3% hard hit rate just not good at all you know he bats in the bats in the lower half of that cubs lineup and you mentioned the situation that horner's in i'm fine with the top half of the cubs lineup but those guys batting behind cody bellinger i don't really trust him to get driven in and he doesn't really walk that much anymore like he used to in earlier in his career when he was had that MVP form. Um, you know, one guy batting behind him who we're going to mention during this this podcast, Patrick Wisdom, 
Are we going to be counting on Patrick Wisdom to drive Cody Bellinger in? And we just look at the the track record with Bellinger. I mean, if there's a more what to expect from him, yeah. yeah, more precipitous fall from grace. I, I don't know what what it, it is. You know, we've read about the swing changes he's implemented. It seems like he's doing that constantly. I'm just not really buying. You know, he's a young former MVP, so I, I, we can't rule it out, but. You know, from a run scored perspective, I just the the I don't trust the player. I don't really love the situation that he's in. Like I mentioned, the bottom half of a Cubs lineup, you know, guys batting behind him, not that great. So asking me to pick a fade in the runs category, I'm gonna go with Cody Bellinger. Uh runs scored for me, Andre Semenez is a for real one. Uh went pretty early in drafts this spring, a lot of people buying into the 2022 breakout and buying into the idea that there's even more production to tap into love the shortstop and second base eligibility as well. He's been probably more steady than great to open this season, but you'll take that at a 278 average 739 OPS one homer, six steals. And of course an AL leading 18 runs scored. I believe that the rate stats are going to rise with Jimenez, the average, the OPS, and that he'll continue to fill up box scores in various ways. That's kind of his game as a guy you can plug in at second base or shortstop and always get something sort of dynamic. He, he's been scoring all of these runs from mostly the seventh, sixth, and fifth spot in the Guardians batting order. Yeah, they got him move up. He got a shot out of the number two spot in the last game that he played in. So I – I think they've like already considered it and this might become more of a, a steady thing, which is what you need to maintain. Uh, I mean, if, if, yeah, if he starts hitting second for them or even lead off at times, if they don't want Steven Kwan up there, maybe Kwan's like a good turn the order, turn the order over a guy that you put like toward the bottom of the lineup or something, you know, they, they have different ways that they can attack this with their sort of contact based approach that they have in that offensive attack. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think we're going to see more of him hitting second, which would only help the cause for runs. Uh, my fate is is Taylor Walls, the, the Rays hot-hitting utility infielder, off to an incredible start. 350 average, 1135 OPS through 46 plate appearances, 14 runs scored in 13 games, but only 11 starts so far this year. And, and I just can't totally project regular playing time for Walls all year. He got a lot of playing time last season and just did not hit at all. Um, has some prospect pedigree. Remember, he beat Wander Franco to the majors in 2021. I believe, yeah, Walls came up like in May when everyone was hoping that's when Franco would get the call. Franco didn't get the call until June, which was all a, a source of frustration on the fantasy baseball circuit. Uh, but yeah, consider me skeptical on the current 2023 layout with Walls. I've I've never been right with being skeptical on a raised player, but I, he's going to come back down to earth if if last year was any indication. He's another guy that maybe is just making progress, but uh, going to be jockeying for playing time. And yeah, I don't I don't think he's suddenly like a one thousand OPS type player. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy fade there. He, I mean, his defense is so good that that's going to help his case for remaining in the lineup, but. Yeah, as far as a fantasy difference maker with the bat, I'm I'm not buying that either. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, moving on to home runs, the guy that I'm am buying into, Nolan Gorman, off the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, 14 home runs in 89 games in 2022. Uh, with the major league club, he had 30 between AAA and the majors last season. Power's never been a a question for him, but he, he seems like he's made like legitimate improvements with his his plate discipline as well. Uh, strikeouts are way down, walks are way up. He's actually ranks in the 81st percentile in chase rate so far this season, which um, from what we saw last year, that's just a, a huge improvement. He's altered his batting stance a little bit. He's kind of standing a little more a little more upright, and he's changed his hand placement a little bit to try to get to those high fastballs a little bit better and just look really that's great working. so far. The yeah. Exit velocity, max exit velo, hard hit rate, and barrel rate are all in the 90, 90th percentile or higher for for Nolan Gorman. I mean, unfortunately, he's been sitting pretty regularly against lefties. Uh, Ali Marmol, for whatever reason, is finding ways to get Taylor Motter in the lineup. So, I mean, I'd like to see uh, Nolan Gorman get a shot against some of those lefties, although – Seems like Paul DeYoung's probably going to be back soon, so he might steal some of those starts Great. against Lefty too. But awesome. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's going to hurt his potential counting stats outlook if he only plays against righties. But super encouraged by the improvements he's made. Uh, my fade for home runs is going to be Ryan Mountcastle. He's a guy with legitimate power. I'm not questioning that, and his quality of contact has been great this year. It's a, a lot about um, Camden Yards. Like I, I just – that left field has just become such a graveyard for hitting. Um, mm-hmm. And Mountcastle somehow has a 942 OPS and four, of his, four home runs in eight games at home in that – Hitter's graveyard. Um, just don't see how that continues. The plate discipline remains terrible for him. He's got a 528 OPS against righties so far this season. You know, a lot of that production has come against lefties so far early on. You know, I, I, he hit 32 ish home runs, 33 home runs, maybe in 2021. Fell back to like 22 home runs last year. I I think his power is legitimate. I just don't love that park. I think he's probably going to be closer to the 22 than the 33 this season. Um, he could pr- prove me wrong. He has made legitimate strides as far as his batted ball data goes. But if you're asking me to pick a fade, that's uh, he's my he's my pick there. Back to the Rays for me with with homers. Somebody I am very bullish on is Brandon Lau, uh, which that reminds me of a stupid story, a, a story that makes me look stupid. When I was in my early 20s, like first year doing this baseball writing thing professionally, I was on some radio show or podcast. I'm not sure there were many podcasts back then. Maybe it was the radio, but one of the, the hosts asked me if I was bullish on a certain player, and I didn't know what bullish meant. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I was like, <laughs> I just never like come across someone <laughs> using it in a sentence. Toward, I don't. I was not a good student in college, or really high school, or, or really ever. <laughs> like, if you don't know that term, it sounds like it. It could mean something is good or bad, <laughs> to me at the time anyway. Um, so so I'm how do you, sure you get I, out of that? I think I just danced around it and like presented both sides of the the player could. Again, I was like 22 years old, um, yeah. so who knows? I, 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 I just danced around it. Anyway, yeah, Brandon Lau, uh, he's just always been a masher when healthy. Um, fell just shy of, of hitting the 40 homer mark in 2021 before injuries plagued his season in 2022. That kind of power at second base is such a, a big boost. Like, just look at Lau's baseball savant page. Hard hit rate. Uh, 98th percentile in XWOBA, 99th percentile in expected slugging percentage. I, I, he's the real deal. And again, to get that kind of power at second base, you just hope he can stay healthy because he's going to hit a ton of dingers and, and rack up RBIs. My fade, and I kind of hate it, but it's got to be Patrick Wisdom. Um, he got in on that barrage of the Dodgers on Friday at Wrigley, as you said, hit his ninth homer of the year nine homers through 18 games, which is somehow not the league lead because Pete Alonzo has 10 already. Uh, yeah. That the ball's flying and man that, yeah, that Cubs offense, like Friday's game was the sixth time the Cubs scored 10 plus runs uh, this season. And it's April last year, they scored 10 plus runs, a total of six times across 162 games. So they've, they've already matched that wisdom has been a big part of this offensive attack and they're pitching well too. And he was a big key of the offense in 2022 and 2021. But my thought going into this year was that he was kind of a holdover from the previous era, the sort of in-between era, we'll call it of, you know, tearing down scraps of the world series team from 2016. And, but I don't know, that's not the narrative now with wisdom, but I'm also not buying that he's suddenly going to be an MVP candidate. Like he's at a career 221 batting average, 303 on base percentage. He struck out 183 times in 134 games last year. He does hit the ball hard and his barrel rate is incredible so far this year. But I'd say there are more indicators of regression than indicators of this being real. I think you can look at barrel rate and use it to project regression because there is some luck to barreling baseballs like over the course of the year. And when you make it into a small sample size, like, all right, he's, he's barreled up a bunch of balls this year and hit them very far. Uh, to me, the data says that he's not going to barrel up baseballs at this rate moving forward when he does connect and it is barreled, it's going to sail into the seats probably. But um, I, I'm not buying the whole offensive approach with wisdom. I, I think he's going to come crashing down, man. Maybe he reaches like 40 homers though. And, and you'll take a bad batting average and bad on base percentage. If, if he gets there, because he was basically free in drafts this spring. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's striking out at like a 33% rate this year, which is actually a big improvement for him. Uh, there's just a ton of swing and a miss in his game. It, the power is legitimate, but he does have some, you know, just complete flame out potential. Like he could lose his job and by June 15th or something. 
within the within the realm of possibility. Right. Christopher Morell uh, could can play third. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens when Matt Mervis comes to the majors and like there's there's some moving parts there that the Cubs could could trade if they if they like get to the end of June or even moving into July and they're competitive like they showed this winter they think that they're ready to turn the corner and compete and hey maybe they can certainly in the NL Central it's possible yeah that's the division to be in. Uh, going to RBI, I'm going to pick J.D. Davis as my um, for real guy. You know, 863 OPS, 12 home runs in 67 games with the Giants dating back to last season. Remember when they the Mets traded like six players for Darren Ruff, including mm-hmm. J.D. Davis, when they probably should have just hung on to J.D. Davis. But anyway, uh he was a guy without he, a position. You know, he, he's one yeah, of those players. That's true. He's actually done pretty decently defensively so far this year. But, yeah, he's 876 OPS this year, four home runs already in 2023. Always been a stat cast, darling. Um, 91.9 mile per hour exit velocity this year, 52.2% hard hit rate. Um, has always hit the ball hard. Uh, he's actually been more aggressive this season, um, and yet the walks and the strikeouts are both down. So I, I don't know. I kind of trust the Giants to do something do something with these kind of retread guys. They obviously see something in JD Davis that he's bat, he's batting in the in the middle of that lineup consistently. Um, so I think they've proven in the past that they don't really worry about defense that much. So I don't think his, his poor defense is going to cost him a job. I think as long as he hits, he's going to be in there and is he hitting in the middle of that lineup? I think he's going to drive in a good number of runs. My fade for RBI is Josh Lowe, not Lau, Lowe. Um, more, more Tampa Bay Rays talk. He's got 15 RBIs already in 20, uh, 2023. That's actually more than he had in 2022 already in 37 fewer games. Um, unfortunately, he has zero starts so far this season versus lefties. Uh, the Rays are not afraid to use those platoons. Um, and he's also batted no higher than fifth versus righties. And that was actually yesterday. Was the first time he got moved up to the fifth spot. He's generally been more seven, eight. I mean, with the way he's hitting, maybe he can stick a little higher in the lineup. But, you know, a guy that's been hitting a lot in the bottom third of the lineup often, not playing against lefties, I would bet against those uh, those RBIs, the RBI totals uh, continuing at that rate. We are getting a lot of questions about um... – and comments about Bryson Stott, who I wanted to include in the run scored category, but the weird thing is he hasn't really scored that many runs this year, even though he's the league leader in hits and at bats. Um, batting towards the bottom of the off, lineup for a while. For a while, but I feel like he's been batting leadoff for two weeks now. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's about a week and a half. Uh, but yeah, I really, I, I like him a lot. The situ- it's situation dependent because he is getting these leadoff looks, but he's got the prospect 
pedigree, had some flashes last year, and the Phillies clearly feel really confident in him. Um, I wouldn't expect him to maintain a, like a 344 batting average, but he's got good speed. He's a smart base runner, a good defender. I think he's going to be an everyday lineup or everyday presence in that lineup and, and continue to get leadoff looks the rest of the way for the Phillies. Um, and which, yeah, that lineup's about to improve with Bryce Harper returning, as we talked about yeah. at the top of the show. RBIs for me, Matt Chapman. Uh, love me some Matt Chapman. I, I got all the shares of him this spring. Such a nice value at, at third base. The ADP, I had that page up on Rotowire. He was going late. 155 on Yahoo. Um, so get your third base spot covered with a power bat who plays every day and, and gives you a piece of that talented Blue Jays offense. The profile was attractive for where Chapman was going in drafts this spring. And here he is with some of the very best rate stats of anybody out of the gate. An AL best 380 average, an AL leading 457 on base percentage. An MLB leading one 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 seven five OPS through eighty one plate appearances. I know the average will fall and the OPS will too, of course. But if we're talking RBIs, like the sky's the limit for him. Seventeen already through nineteen games. He has five doubles or nine doubles, five homers. Getting a lot of turns at cleanup for the Blue Jays. No lower than fifth in recent weeks. I think he batted seventh on opening day, but hasn't been back there since. Uh, right behind George Springer, Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So much to like, even even as the natural regression hits in some areas, specifically batting average. He's never been like a, a great batting average dude. Uh, the fade for me with RBIs is Brian Anderson. And I do like him as a player. I, it was a really smart pickup for the Brewers. He's done well so far with kind of the first time being able to play his home games in a hitter-friendly park there in Milwaukee. 15 RBIs through 20 games. But the OPS has already come down sharply from his hot first two weeks. And and the Brewers, they have options in, in the minors and the majors and on the IL at the positions that Anderson plays, first base and corner outfield, or, or third base and corner outfield, maybe some, some first base. I think Brian Anderson is solid, um, but I don't really expect him to be like a, a titan of RBI production the rest of the way. Yeah, you got to worry about the injuries too. I mean, he was constantly yep. banged up during his time with the with the Marlins, so that's a that's a factor as well. Got a comment from uh, from Isaac here. Not happy about my my Josh Lowe pick for a an RBI bust, but hey, I'm going to make him happy here because he's my for real in the stolen base category. Um, you know, Lowe. While I'm not super bullish, Drew's favorite word on his RBI outlook. Is that bad that I didn't know what bullish meant at like age 20? I mean, I, I can't oh. even, there's probably a lot of stuff in my early twenties that I, I didn't know that I couldn't at this point, I couldn't believe that I wouldn't know. So I, I can't, I can't bag on you too much, but thank you. Yeah. Lowe has made legitimate improvements at the plate. He's cut his strikeouts more in, in half than from last season. Um, down well below 20% strikeout rate. His expected batting average is at 299. So, you know, that's certainly shy of where he's actually hitting now, but 299 for an expected batting average is, is quite good. Um, yeah. You know, Josh Lowe's stolen base history, he's not like an elite like burner, but 
I don't know if I've ever seen like the success rate that this guy's had. So maybe like prime Carlos Beltran between triple a and the majors. He's 59 for 61 in stolen base attempts. Wow. That's that a nice long, like early in 90, his career. <laughs> yeah. 97% success rate for that. So I believe in the speed with, with Josh Lowe. Um, Unfortunately, not playing against lefties, but I still think he has 30-plus stolen base potential, 20-plus home run potential. Um, So I I like him sustaining from a stolen base perspective. My fade is going to be Starling Marte. I'm kind of doubling down here. Uh, He was my fade at the preseason podcasts, and even though he's stolen seven bases already, I'm I'm doubling down here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like you know, he's just constantly battling injuries, currently dealing with a neck issue. Sounds like he could could come back today, but he's always battling something. And interestingly, his his sprint speed numbers, I'm gonna read you off his sprint speed numbers from twenty nineteen through twenty twenty three by year. And these are the percentile rankings he, he he's he's been in. 82%, percentile, 68 percentile last year, and so far this year, 40th percentile. So, like, he's in his mid-30s now. Um, the speed is just not what it used to be. He's been pretty good from a success rate for most of his career, but last year he was caught nine times and and was successful 18 times. So with that, you know, speed regressing, constantly banged up. I, I, you know, I, I think that's a, he's a smart fade from a, from a stolen base perspective. Uh, Yeah. I wanted to pick somebody a little obscure for my, for real, since we have this stolen bases bonanza on our hands in major league baseball, you know, find that cheap speed that everybody desires uh jaiwan bay he's at five steals and six attempts and tracking in the 95th percentile of all mlb position players in sprint speed don't look at the other sections of his baseball savant page there's a lot of blue in there and blue's not good maybe not the most productive hitter uh, but he did get on base at a solid clip in the minors the plate approach is good um, it's why you've seen him at leadoff sometimes following the injury to Tony Cruz. I think Bay is going to continue playing a lot for the Pirates because he's a versatile and rangy defender. You can pretty much put him anywhere, and he's made some amazing highlight plays in, in the outfield and the infield so far this year. And if he does continue playing a lot, the steals are going to be there if, if he can do what he does and just get on base. You don't really need him to be like a, a power threat. Um, Brian Hayes has taken – over the leadoff role more recently, but Bay could be an option here and there if he can get the bat and OBP going just a little bit. It's a good situation for him to play a lot and to rack up some stolen bases. He's available on a lot of waiver wires. If, if you need to play some catch up with speed, track what the Pirates are doing with their lineup. Um, he's been kind of in and out of it recently. It worries you a bit, but um, I, I, I mean, he's kind of their best option right now at second base with Rodolfo Castro playing shortstop in the absence, absence of Cruz. Like Mark Mathias is their sort of other option at second base. They have some some players in the minors. We'll see. But if, if Bay keeps playing, 
Uh, I think he's going to get you that that stolen base total. My my fade is Jose Azucar, and it's it's an obvious one with Fernando Tatis Jr. returning from his suspension Thursday. Um, Azucar has remained on the MLB roster for now, but he's not playing much. And outside of the four steals, all of his numbers are pretty ugly. I I'd, I'd think with minor league options remaining, the Padres will eventually decide that he should instead be an everyday player in the minors. Like still a young guy with, you know, has shown some promise at various levels. It could happen with Adam Engel coming off the IL. That that could happen actually today before their game Saturday in Arizona. So um, it might be even a moot point. I, I, I just don't, I don't know. That was kind of a boring fade to end on. But when you're talking cheap speed, it's just so playing time dependent. Um, for people playing in an on-base percentage leagues, which have become more popular, which I think is a good thing. It's just a, a better representation of talent than than batting average. Jonathan India sticks out to me on that leaderboard. It, it's good to see him back to a high level of production. I I should have grabbed some post hype shares of India this spring. He was very cheap um, coming off the great rookie year and then the sophomore slump. He was an obvious guy to at least you know throw a dart at. And then I, I mean I just I think he's in for a nice bounce back with the Reds. Brandon Marsh, I wrote down as someone to fade. We had kind of already talked about him. I, I he just struggles so badly against lefties and has never been an on base percentage machine. Um, I do think he's taking strides, but yeah, wouldn't expect that to continue. Yeah, I just have a fade for you from an OBP perspective. Uh, Dansby Swanson, um, sure, he's. Off to a tremendous start, as a lot of the Cubs hitters are here in the early going, but he's he's just never been a great OBP guy. All of a sudden, he's drawing walks at a huge rate this year. I just don't think that that's going to continue. I mean, even when he's been good offensively, like last year in his walk year, his, he had a 323 OBP. So I just don't – I don't think that's going to continue. Um I think he's going to be perfectly fine for fantasy, but OBP leagues, I would, uh, I would sell that. All right. That'll do it for us next week. We'll do some pitching for real or fades better to have a four weeks of, of data to dig into pitchers. Um, I, I think that'll be a, an interesting episode to, to really examine a lot of those guys who are, I don't know, win wins ERA. Oh, I guess we have to do saves too. I may call in sick next Saturday. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for us on, on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Rival Fantasy. Go to rivalfantasy.com or download the app today. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. We are no longer verified. We are fake. Uh, please make sure and hit like and subscribe. And remember, we've got a new episode of the show coming out every single day during the 2023 season. Peace out. Spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Everybody.